bow down our heads as we pray. Can you just talk to God this morning? We're in his presence to receive a touch from him. The Bible says that the entrance of his word gives light and understanding to the simple. Can you ask that it's not just a routine word. It's not just to fulfill all righteousness or to fill in the chapel program. But that the Lord will touch your heart and you will leave here with a decision not to allow anything keep you back from fulfilling the ultimate command of the master, go ye, as that the Lord will minister to your heart. And Lord, this is our desire that through your word this morning will go out to serve. Every stubbornness, every stony heart, every distraction, whatsoever that will not allow your word to take root in our hearts, we break them for this morning and ask, Lord, that you minister to us. None of us will go out the same. Lord, we make a decision even to serve you as we ought to. We pray for every facilitator that you use this morning. There will be instruments of peace in your hand. Hallowed be your name, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Go in. Hindrances to going. And that is the second Bible study of the chapel for the year. And we are looking at the theme for this year that says, Go ye therefore into all the world and make disciples. Our text is taken from Acts of the Apostles, chapter 21. I will start from my right, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 21. Our text, verse 10 to 14. Acts of the Apostles, chapter 21. Brother, you can read for us from verse 10 to 14. And as we tarried there many days, there came down from Judea a certain prophet named Agabus. And when he was come unto us, he took Paul's ghetto and bound his own hands and feet and said, Thus said the Holy Ghost, So shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind the man that oweth his ghetto and shall deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. And when we had these things, both we and they that and they of that place besought him not to go up to Jerusalem. And then Paul answered, What mean ye to weep and, and to break my heart? For I am ready not to be bound only, but also to die at Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. And when he would not be persuaded, we ceased, saying, The will of the Lord be done. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. The aim of the Bible study is, one, to understand possible hindrances to our personal obedience to going. And secondly, to understand how the early patriarchs and apostles handle such hindrances. So we'll take our introduction. Daily, as we live in the provisions and promises of God, the expectation of heaven is that we go and make disciples of all nations. Men that became relevant in the hand of God devoted their lives pursuing and obeying the command, go. Every breath in us, every resources we possess, and whatever we have become is really given to us to serve this purpose rather than becoming distractions for us. Just like in the early church, we are faced with situations that tend to put our focus away from the Great Commission. Some of these, these interests may look harmless initially, but they are devil's strategies. 
Through this study, God will help us identify some of these hindrances and how we can handle them. Praise the Lord. Okay, so from, we've seen our text and we've seen the introduction. We want to get one or two comments about the introduction and then the text that will give us a focus into our study today. Maybe one or two persons. What you understood from the introduction, just as a guide. Okay, who is helping us? Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I personally understand that um, this great commission God has given us is not going to be a bread and butter affair. We must meet some hindrances. There are things that will come that will make it difficult or seem impossible for that commission to be fulfilled. But if we get through the Bible and through the apostles, what they have done before, if we learn from them, we'll see how they overcame those problems in their own days. Because they lived in the same world we are living. They, they weren't existing in heaven. The what circumstances that is um, befalling us today befell them that time. And they were able, over, uh, able to overcome that. So this study will help us to see those hindrances that are prevalent in our own days. And by God's grace, see how God will help us overcome that for that commission to be fulfilled. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, sir. Okay. One more, sister. Okay, praise God. Hallelujah. I want to contribute from the first statement that said, daily as we live in the provisions and promises of God, like, if we keep on living daily in that provision and, and promises of God, we are expected to fulfill the expectations of heaven. It's only when we stop living daily, that's when it becomes hard for us. That's when we start seeing hindrances. But once we keep living daily in the promises of God, we will fulfill the expectation of heaven. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Now, it's very important. Thank God for these wonderful contributions. At times, we... When we talk about evangelism, it seems as a special event. Now, just like what our sister said, it should be a daily life. Just like you live your life, you go to work, you go to school, you wake up, you do want it. It should be your normal daily life. It shouldn't be a special program you get. Yes, today, this week is the week of evangelism. Therefore, I will live a special kind of life. It should be a daily normal life. As you live your life daily. And as we do the truth, there are distractions, there are challenges. They will come to us. We are not immune from any of them. Now, what is left for us is that make up your mind. And then the promises and the provisions of God will help us to go through. Now, people that we clap for, they did exploits both in the scripture and in our time. Just like what our daddy said. They are having those distractions that we are having today. But they were able to overcome. And if we trust God, God will also help us to overcome. Notwithstanding how harmless some of these distractions may be, we need to be very careful and make up our mind not to allow any of them to deter us from fulfilling the promises, fulfilling this mandate of God. We're going to have questions for discussion. And today we are going to take the first three questions. And then by next week, by Wednesday will complete the other three. So take the first question. Discuss the urgency of the command. Go ye as in Matthew chapter 28, 19 to 20. Matthew chapter 28, 19 to 20 is actually where we got the team for the year. Go ye into the world and make disciples of all nations. So we are going to take the other passages. John chapter 9 verse 4. 
Second Corinthians chapter 5, 10 to 11, and Revelations chapter 22, verse 12. We'll start from our brother on white. John chapter 9, verse 4. John chapter 9, verse 4. I must walk the works of him that sent me while it is day. The night cometh when no man can walk. Okay, the next person. Second Corinthians chapter 5, from verse 10 to 11. Verse 10. For all of us must appear before Christ to be judged by him. We will each receive what we deserve according to everything we have done, good or bad, in our bodily life. We know that we know what it means to fear the Lord, and so we try to pursue others, persuade others. God knows completely, and I hope that in your heart you know me as well. Hallelujah. Thank you. Revelation chapter 22, verse 12. Revelation 22, 12. And behold, I am coming quickly. And behold, and my reward is with me to give everyone according to his work. Amen. Praise the Lord. Can we contribute from these passages the urgency of that command, go ye? We read three passages. So who is helping us? From the first passage we read in John chapter 9, verse 4, it says that we must, it says that we must do the work of him that sent us now that there is day. That there will be a time that night will come, and by that time we will not be able to do that work. Now, looking at it day and night, we know that 24 hours we have day, we have night. So, now that we are alive, now that we are strong, now that we are young, we can move about, we can go, we can talk to people. It is time to do it because there will be a time when you will not be disposed, you may not be strong enough to go out. Or there will be a time. You don't even know how long God has kept you. This is the reason why God has kept us. So since we are alive, we have to do it. Because there may be a time. We may want to do it, but we will not be able to do it. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, ma. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In my own uh, version, the word used was quickly. Carry out the tax. Showing the urgency. And that quickly is actually pointing to the fact that there is something on coming to hinder or delay. And that if you don't do it actually things that is pointing to the urgency to preach the gospel. Now when you now talk of quickly, you do not know tomorrow when the time will come. What will come tomorrow? What tomorrow will bring to your uh, And secondly, go quickly. Because a person that you are being sent to might not see to tomorrow. There will be no tomorrow for that person. There are many reasons why they are, we should carry out this tax as soon as possible. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. God bless you, man. Yes? Any other person? Okay. I want Hallelujah. to comment on the place I read in Revelation. It said, Behold... I am coming quickly, and my reward is with me, to give to everyone according to his work. It continues to sound the urgency of the task, and in reference to the instruction we have received from the Matthew 28, verse 19-20, that we should go and preach. 
God is saying that he's coming quickly. And that means that we have limited time, like they are saying, to do this. And like they said, we don't know, nobody knows his own time. I don't know my own. We may have big plans. Somebody might say, when I finish doing this, then I will concentrate on that work. I want to remember the little drama these children went during teen week, you know, that they did. Somebody was busy acquiring an in, as a 30, by 30, some early 30s, it's already, you know, be, become a son. Done this one, had first class and everything, went abroad, came back, doing so many things. And then, he never, never considered the work of the kingdom. And as he landed in the judgment seat of God, when he was told that all that time was wasted because he didn't put God, God and the work of God and the instruction that God gave in his program, he was saying, please, I will use this time that remains. In fact, the time I used to be a professor. We were laughing at that when we were reviewing it in our house. But that is a very serious thing. He said, the time I used to be a professor, I will now devote it. But the time is time has finished. He didn't have extra time. So don't plan for when you will finish this, then you will concentrate. Now is the time. God said it's coming quickly and his reward with his sin. It is whatever we have earned that will be paid with. Praise them. Hallelujah. Thank you, ma. Okay. One more. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I, I want to also comment on that uh, Revelation 22, the verse where we read. It was saying that there's a reward. There's a reward. This work that God is calling us to do is not without reward. And uh, if you do, anybody that is hiring any, any person to work for him or her, Pays according to the value you have added to whatever work he has, you know, entrusted into your hands. If you add more value, we may be doing the same work, but have added much value, and some other person added less. I'll be paid more. So the more we concentrate to do this work, and we know that he that has called us to this, do this work, He's faithful. He's not somebody that, you know, when you do one, he say no, you did half. He will pay you according to your reward. So if we do this work well, right here on earth, we are getting reward. Then, eternal reward awaits us. Praise God. Hallelujah. We thank, okay, just briefly, yes, ma'am. I want to add to that uh, Revelation 22, where we are looking at a reward. As the discussion is going, was going on, I had this feeling that there is something that might want to take, not debar us from getting this reward. That is the issue that, that the urgent, there is a reward. Actually warning us that there might be something that we debar us from, that not getting that reward. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, man. Now, you see from these passages, when we talk about the urgency, we see from the book of John, Night is coming. You have control of doing the work, but you don't have the control of the night. When it's coming, you don't know. And just like our mommy contributed, we are not just talking about ourselves. Even the person you're meant to preach also has a night. So you may think that, yes, I have the opportunity. Someone was giving us a testimony when we were preparing for the Bible study. He said that one day he was sent to go and preach. He was saying, okay, I'll go next time. But before what was happening, that same person had an accident. He was sent to go and preach. And that was the end of it. It may be about the period you are in a place. 
And if that opportunity passes, it may be a night, not just on the final day. So a night is coming. You don't know when the night is coming, but surely it will come. And then it's for us to get ready. And another thing is that, very importantly, when you know who sent you on assignment, you say, I must do the work of he that sent me. The person that sent you, two persons send you on an errand. You may decide to do one because of how important the person that sent you on that errand is. God sent us on this errand. And he's saying that there is a time frame for that work. Every assignment has a time frame. And then we'll see from the book of Revelation. He is coming soon. Now the Bible will say that our salvation is nearer now than where we first believed. When he gave that instruction, it's even nearer now. And that is the truth. He is coming, whether you like it or not. And for us, you as a Christian, you've known the terror of God. All of us will stand before God. Both you, a Christian, that have made up your mind to go or not to go. You stand before God. And then even the unbelievers will stand before God. And the terror of standing before God, it's something that, if care is not taken, nobody, the Bible will say, who will stand, who will be able to stand before God. Knowing the terror of hell, knowing the terror of eternity, if you are not a child of God, you have nothing to do other than to arise and preach this gospel. So it's urgent. It's not something you just relax your mind. I will do it when I graduate. I'll do it when I get a job. I'll do it when I marry. Today is the day of salvation. Praise the Lord. Now let's go to the next question. From the following passages, identify the hindrances to going. And discuss how the apostles were able to handle them. Okay? The next person, we stopped at Mormon, but the, uh, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 20, 10 to 13. The next person, Acts of the Apostles, 21, 10 to 13. The next person, Acts of the Apostles, chapter 5, 40 to 42. And then Luke, chapter 8, 22 to 25. Identify the hindrances to go in and then discuss how the apostles were able to handle them. Okay? The next person, if you, if you see your own, you can read. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Acts of the Apostle 21.10 And as we served many days, A certain prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. When he had come to us, he took Paul, Paul bed, born, born his own hands and feet, and said, Thou says the Holy Spirit, you shall, so shall the Jews at Jerusalem bind a man who owned his and deliver him into the hands of the Gentiles. Now, when we heard these, these things, both we are those from that place, pleaded with him not to go up to Jerusalem. Then Paul answered, Where do you mean by weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be born, but also to die at Jerusalem. For the name of the Lord Jesus. Amen. Acts 5, 42. His speech persuaded them 
they called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day, in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Christ. Luke chapter 8, 22 to 25. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Luke 8, Luke chapter 8, verse 22 to 25. One day Jesus got into a boat with his disciples and said to them, Let us go across to the other side of the lake. So they started, they started out and they were sailing. Jesus fell asleep. Suddenly, a strong wind blew down on the neck, and the boat began to fill with the water, so that they were all in great danger. So 25. Okay. The disciples were to, went to Jesus and woke him up, saying, Master, Master, we are about to die. And Jesus got up and gave an order to the wind and the storm, storm water, and they died down, and there was a great calm. Then he said to the disciples, Where are you, where are your faith? But they were amazed and afraid, and said to one another, Who is this man? He gave orders to the winds and waves, and they obeyed him. Praise the Lord. So can we identify some of the hindrances here? And then discuss how the apostles were able to handle them. Okay, sir. Um, practically, if you look at um, Acts chapter 5, 40-42, you see that the apostles were being flogged for preaching the gospel. And after still being flogged, that is being persecuted, they had to still go to the courts and to several houses and continue preaching the gospel. So it was not... Persecution was not a hindrance for them. Even after being persecuted, they had to still keep doing God's word. And that was it. Okay, so here we see persecution. Okay, yes, any other person? The hindrances. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In Acts 21, we saw there was a prophecy. Uh, towards uh, Paul's uh, mission to Jerusalem and that he was possibly going to face death. So when we are faced with such things, it might be something that will make us to have a reconsideration. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In the Acts 5, it's still talking about persecution. These are some of the hindrances that might make one not go as commanded. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Thank you, man. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. In the same Acts um, 21, 10 to 13, even when there was a prophecy, you see, colleagues, people, even believers, people who you should think that some of the times they are going with you, they will be a hindrance. Some of the time they will, they will persuade you not to. It was just because of Paul's insistence. They were weeping he was going to be flogged. 
But Paul himself knew he was going to face a greater thing. Death. As if stop weeping about flogging. I'm even going to die. I'm even ready to die. So people who are close to you, family, friends, colleagues, some of the times, they become hindrance for you to go. They'll give you one reason or the other. And it looks comfortable why you should not go. But if you listen and convinced in the word of God, irrespective of all those, you still go. Thank you, sir. Yes. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I want to give my contribution from uh, Luke chapter 8. You see, when you take off for this journey, either to preach the gospel or do one thing for God, there must be turbulence. And most of us lack the faith to face that turbulence. And that is the major, major, major main thing. Some of us will say, if I see somebody that is sick and pray over the person, assuming if the person is not healed, the work is not your own. It's God's work. He said you should pray, you should preach. The conversion of the person is not in your hands. So if you preach to a soul and he's, he, he, he doesn't repent, it's not your work, it's God's work. That should not discourage you from preaching to the other person. You should go ahead because the Bible says so in the morning, so in the evening. You don't know which one that will germinate. So we need faith to still carry on, not minding what we are seeing, the turbulence and all the distractions on the way. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you. Okay. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We are still talking about that loop. Where Jesus was as if he like sleeping, resting in the boat, and the apostles, as they were moving in the boat, the storm came. So fiery that it was as if the boat was going to capsize. I want to liken it to experiences some of us might go through. Whenever you make up your mind and you decide and you really set out to do the will of God, I want us to know that the devil will not be happy. For them, it was a physical storm, wind, which was the circumstance, you know, in their own time, what was most likely to be. Our own, there may be problem. One temptation and trial might start coming our way. And some of us, I know some say that once they start doing this and they, all this, they don't want, the devil will start attacking. So for fear... You can see that even the apostles, they were afraid of the storm. And it will be as if God is not watching. You will be wondering, is God there? But Jesus was just there resting. Okay? And let us know that no matter the difficulties, the turbulence, the kingdom of darkness, they will not be happy. So the turbulence may come. The storm, the trials, temptations. But let's not look back. Let it not discourage us. Let's not say, no, we can't continue with this. But let's know that as we call upon God, as we are doing that and looking up to God, just like Jesus came and just rebuked, just a word, the storm calm down. God will make the storm calm down when and as it's necessary. Did you hear me? I said when and as it is necessary. It doesn't mean that everything will just disappear immediately. It may not disappear immediately, but it should not discourage us. Just know that God is watching it and allowing only the circumstances that are necessary to be there. Praise the Lord. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, ma. We thank God for these wonderful contributions. Now, starting from the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter okay, 5, 14. You see, there are times there will be decrees, commands, rules from authorities. We've had instances, some people, some government vehicles, public vehicles will tell you, don't preach in this bus. Don't preach in this classroom. Don't do, don't do this. And there are rules, just like this place. The apostles, disciples were asked, please don't preach in this name. And that was the instruction. And I remember the Bible, uh, they will say, tell us, is it better to obey men than to obey God? So you may see, yes, you could get in our classes, and you don't preach you, and that is why I don't do it. They said you have to behave this way and the other way. But is that rule or that decree against God, anti-God? When it's such, you don't have to obey. They disobeyed and they were beaten. And what did they do? They were happy. And that's when we pass through some issues, some difficulties, while doing the God's will, we expect people to come and pat us at the back, clap for us. Hey, we, we, we've seen what happened to you. Because try and manage. And if nobody is doing that, you feel that nobody cares. But then, even at that, they were still happy. They were not waiting for the chaplain to come and, Brother GCK, somebody, but they were happy because they were counted worthy. So even suffering is a privilege to suffer for God. They saw it as that. And then from the book of Acts of the Apostles, chapter 21, thank God for what our daddy said. At times, Christians will talk you out of God's will. I still remember when St. Paul, when Ananias was told to go and meet St. Paul, God told him, see, this man, he will preach to the Gentiles, and I will show him great things he's going to suffer. He's going to suffer greatly. He will even die on cause of this assignment. And Paul understood that call. So when you are sure of why you are called, no matter the temptation, no matter the challenges that comes your way, it won't deter you. But one of the issues, but we are not even sure. Even this faith, we are not sure. This Christianity, are we even sure what we are doing? But for St. Paul, he was sure. The prophecy was from the Holy Ghost. The Bible said that it was actually the Holy Ghost that revealed to Agabus. But where they got it wrong, the Holy Ghost did not tell them, tell him not to go. He just revealed, if you go, you are going to suffer. But they now added, please don't go. Stay. Because they want a comfortable life. Okay, so persecutions, challenges can be a distraction, can be a hindrance to us. And Thank God from where Amomi contributed from the book of Luke. While they were on the assignment, it was actually Jesus Christ that asked them, come, let us go. They were faced with storms of life. It could be physical storms. Maybe you go for missions. It will start raining. The place will not be comfortable. Mosquitoes will bite. It will be real storms of life. Childlessness, sickness, all kinds of mishap will come upon you. It can happen. But when it happens, even though fear may come in, we should not be. But even at that, we have a master that is close by. It's just for you to call on him. And wanting good, he rebuked the storm even before correcting them. He is there. He is ever-present help in time of need. So no matter the challenges that come, make up your mind to go. We have a master that is close by. Praise the Lord. Now let's go to the question three. Practically discuss... The challenges of personal comfort and attainment as possible hindrances to going 
Okay, I'll start from my left now. When we read Luke chapter 9, 57 to 62, Matthew chapter 6, 24, and then Luke chapter 18, 18 to 23. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Luke chapter 9 from verse 57. Now it happened as they journeyed on the road that someone said to him, Lord, I will follow you wherever, wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, Foxes have holes and birds of the earth nests. The son of man has nowhere to lay his head. Then he said to another, he said to another, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own, their own dead. But you go and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow you. But let me first go and bid them farewell who are at my house. But Jesus said to him, No, no one, no one having put his hand on the plow and looking backward is, is fit for the kingdom of God. Praise God. Hallelujah. Matthew chapter 6, verse 24. No one can serve two masters. Either will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Okay. Luke chapter 18. Luke 18, 18 to 23. A certain ruler asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Why do you call me good? Jesus answered, No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not commit adultery. Do not, do not murder. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony. Honor your father and your mother. All these I have kept since I was a boy. When Jesus heard this, he said to him, You still lack one thing. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come follow me. When he heard this, he became very sad, because he was a man of great wealth. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. So can we discuss the challenges of personal comfort and attainment? We can see from Luke uh, chapter 9 from verse 57 to 62 that everybody that was called here to follow Jesus had excuses. They had excuses to give. And those excuses were their own personal excuses. They wanted to do one thing or the other for themselves, not for the kingdom. And not just that. Even the person he said follow, there was somebody that wanted to follow and he said don't follow me. But even the persons that he called to follow, they had to give excuses. Are we giving excuses? Even where we are the chosen ones. If 
you are giving excuses to do the work that God has brought you and I into this earth to do. Just we should always remember one thing that you are here on assignment. And it's only when that assignment finishes that you can go. And it will be too bad for us to leave the planet Earth without completing the assignment. Praise God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Yes. Thank you, man. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. From Luke chapter 18, where we read about the rich uh, ruler, we can see here that because of his wealth, what he has acquired, he found it difficult to do what? To carry out this assignment. Most times, because of the nature of work I do, in order to do what? Satisfy my boss or satisfy the uh, guys around me. There are some certain things that I know contradicting the word of God I must do. For example, people who work in the police force, they will tell you, if you don't do what? If you don't make up for the guy, you are not going to do what? You must not attend a particular office. But we found out that most of us who are Christians do what? We give in. We keep into their demand. And then we do what? Bringing bad name to what? To the house of God and to Christ himself. And at the end of the day, if something happens, they will say, how can doesn't happen in the church? How can you now do what? Stand to tell the person Jesus is coming when he knows that your lifestyle already is contradicting what you are saying. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Just one more. Okay. Thank you, man. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. I'm interested in this uh, Luke, sorry, Matthew 6.24. He's saying that no one can serve two masters at the time. So, and I'm, it's opening my eyes to see that what is hindering a lot of people from fulfilling this mandate of Christ is that they have two masters. And you know that you can't serve the two effectively. Because just like Jesus himself said, you have to please one. You cannot please the two, especially when they are contradictory. Two masters, each of them have their own interest. And in this context, the master is doing the will of God, Jesus, and what he has asked us to do. The other one he said, and he now told us the other competing master, mammon. Do you know what is mammon? Money. The quest for money. Money is an idol that is, has afflicted the world. Everything they are doing is all about money. So money can become a distraction. Seeking for money can be a distraction. Having a lot of money can be a distraction. You will saw it in the rich man. The rich man was rich. He has already acquired. So it's not even like he still it is going to acquire that is his problem. He has money. But that money, being living that life of comfort, he is not able to spare time for the kingdom, for the work of the kingdom. And in this context, some people, because they are rich, they can't see themselves carrying the Bible. It looks somehow now. You know? Because how can they carry the big car, come down, and then go and be talking to people? They feel it is derogatory. They think it is bringing themselves down. And what is the... That is because they have a bigger master. Money is dictating how they live and what they can do. So let us be careful. Who is our own master? But if as God is blessing you, you still recognize that the ultimate and the one master is God and Jesus, whom we must fulfill the mandate he has given us, money will now no longer be a master to you. 
it will become what? Your servant. Every day, I'm, we are discussing practically. I tell myself, when money wants to be a something, even money, sometimes how you build people for a service you, you do, you know, it can come up to the point, and I'll tell myself, money should be my servant. Let me not even build somebody to the point that he will say, ah, ah, or was a sister, or a brethren, or a good. It can be that delicate. So sometimes, just I want to build somebody for a service I've entered. And God will have to, I have to think again, and God will nudge me. And instead of giving what would have been expected, or what somebody, what, what other people are doing, because of the gospel of the kingdom, I have to tamp, you know, temper that bill I'm given. And what am I doing? Money is my servant. Money becomes your servant. So, as you are acquiring money, let it be your servant. Let it not dictate what you will do. Learn to put money under the, you know, work of the kingdom, under the command of Christ. If at any point in time you are confused, go to the master. Master will tell you what to do concerning that money issue. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. We thank God for that. You see, money can be a master. From the rich, it's actually him that came. What will I do? But when an issue, money was touched, say he went back sorrowful because he was rich. And then we saw the other two men. They said, first, let me go and bury my father. First, let me go and bid farewell. It's not wrong, but the issue is first. The Bible will talk about seek first the kingdom of God. So when the priority is misplaced, for whatsoever reason, for wealth, for comfort, for attainment, or whatever. We give all kinds of firsts. Let me first graduate and do all these things. When it happens at the expense of the gospel, it's wrong. And that can be a great hindrance. Now, let's take the last question. How can we, how we, can we handle the above challenges? Matthew chapter 14, 9 to 20, 19 to 20, and Philippians 3, 7 to 8. Quickly, and one person will contribute as we pray. Matthew 4, 19 to 20. Three. Okay. Seven, two. Philippians 3, from verse 7. But what things were gained to me, those I counted lost for Christ. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss, for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them, but don't, that I may win Christ. All right, thank you, man. Matthew chapter 4, 19 to 20. Come, follow me, Jesus said, and I'll make you fishers of men. At once they left their nets and followed him. Okay, how can we handle the both challenges? The comfort and attainment. Another person. Hallelujah. Society. He was everything that they, he was a Jew. You know, in the Pharisees, he was people of the law. In fact, he was well read. If you remember when they gave his CV, when he was arraigned before the Sanhedrin, 
You see that he was anything what people would want to be. But when he understood the commission, the mandate Christ gave him, that it was for soul. Anything other than soul, winning soul, anything he was doing was all about winning soul. And he said he considered all those things. He get, this thing, everything he has attained, they became like nothing. Because he valued the inheritance, the reward of the, of the kingdom. What God will, you know, the, the essence of his calling. He realized that the number one thing and the most attainment was to finish that assignment God has uh, uh, called him to do. Which is so winning. So if Apostle Paul, who has attained, who could stand with the man of authority, with the highest of the society, could bring down all those things. Remember all the things he went through. Remember that he was flogged. Remember that he went to prison. Remember that he was disgraced. He was stoned. What didn't he go through? He was treated like shit. But he counted all that he was done for the purpose of the kingdom of God. That he might win souls so that he too will attend. Okay, one more person. Thank you, ma. Dr. Mike. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. Okay, I want to talk on Matthew 4, verse 19. Here they said, he asked fishermen to drop their net and follow him. There was no excuses. There were no excuses. Like in the other place we read, they said, one person said, let me go and bury my father first before I fall. The other person said, let me go and beat them. Farewell, they are in my house before I come back. But here, they said, he asked them to follow him and they dropped their net straight away. That's the way my own version said it in James. Straight away. These people had families. They were married. They had wives. And uh, the sons of Zebedee were with their father, Zebedee. But they didn't, in fact, they, from the, the account the Bible gave, they didn't even seek their father's opinion. They did it straight away. So, this place is teaching us that we should make up our mind whenever we are out for evangelism. Praise the Lord. It is a thing we have to decide. And we may not be able to take more. Let us pray. So, we'll see prompt obedience, no excuses. They gave everything. That was their first of livelihood. The citizens said, let me go and dry the fish I caught today. They left everything and followed the master. In Jesus' name we prayed. Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for this wonderful time. We ask, Lord, that you cause us to obey promptly to the command you've given to us today. In Jesus' name we prayed. We thank God for the Bible study. We're looking at the hindrances to going. And God has helped us. First, we looked at the urgency of the command. There are several commands in the Bible. But we'll see how urgent this command is. The Bible says that the night is coming when no man shall walk again. In the book of John chapter 9 verse 4. And we are meant to know that the night is coming not just to you the preacher, even to the person you are to preach. Preach to. You have the control of doing the work, but you don't have the control of the time. You don't have control of night when it's going to come, but surely it will come. And what is left for you, knowing that the night will surely come, and when it comes, you won't be able to walk, 
is nothing than to do the work now. And we also mean to understand how important this work is, is because there is he that sent us. Understanding the person of that he. It's not an anyhow, it's not a priest, it's not a church sending you on this assignment. It's God himself. And Jesus Christ is coming soon in the book of Revelation chapter 22. When he's coming, you don't know, but we know he's coming soon. And there's a reward when he comes. And we also discover that there are challenges that the apostle faced in the book of Acts of the Apostle chapter 21 and then chapter 5. At times there will be decrees and commands from people in the place of work. You may be asked, you don't have to preach in the classroom. You are not allowed to preach in a vehicle. You are not allowed to pray here. The disciples were also told, please, if you are going to live in harmony with us in this city, you don't have to preach. But because they have to obey God and they understood there's an urgency attached to that command, they decided rather to obey God. And what happened? They were beaten. They were not spared because at times when you say that, when I do it, God will protect me. They were actually beaten for obeying. But then they were happy. They thank God. At times when you suffer challenges while doing the work of God, you expect the church to come and clap for you. The priest to raise their hands for you that you are doing well. That was not the issue. They were not looking for the applause of men. The Bible said they were happy that they were counted privileged to suffer for God. So it's a great privilege to suffer persecutions. And we also discovered in the book of Acts of the Apostles that brethren, Christians can talk you out of God's will. St. Paul, when he was met and encountered God on his way to Damascus, he was sent to go and meet Aeneas. He was told that you are going to preach to the Gentiles and I'm going to show you the great things you are to suffer for me. He understood that call. And when the prophecy came that he was going to suffer, it was not an issue. Agabus was just told by the Holy Spirit, this man you will suffer. But they now added, yes, you are going to suffer. Don't go. That was not the revelation from the Holy Spirit. People will talk you out. See, it's not good to suffer. A Christian, a big man, why will you follow them to mission? Mosquito will bite you and other things. That was not the issue. He understood that there was a call placed on him. And he decided to obey. And there could be storms of life. Rain challenges. Physical storms. There could be rain. There could be bad weather. It could be storms of sickness. Failures because you went on a mission. Yes, it can happen. But when it happened, there's a master close by for you to run to. They ran to him. And good enough, even before telling them you don't have faith, he rebuked the storm. So he's there to deliver you as the need arises. Just obey promptly. Praise the Lord. And then we also discover some of the challenges of personal comfort and attainment. God gives us wealth. We pray for that. We pray for breakthroughs and he answers. But let it not be a challenge. The blessings of the family. The young man said, please, let me first go and bury my father. The other one said, let me first go and bid farewell. King James Version actually used this word, first and first. Many things come first in our lives. First of all, let me graduate. I will not have time to go for this mission. This exam, this is professional exam is just once. Let me get this work first. Let me get this promotion first. How wonderful they may be. 
births. The Bible will talk about something first again, seeking the kingdom of God first. When it's not the assignment that comes first, every other thing is a wrong priority. And that was where they got it wrong. Let me first. We saw another young man that wanted to go and do the work of God. Just the message of priest, another call was called, you are already out, I want to go. But when some issues, some areas of your life will be touched, that becomes difficult. The young man said that, I'm ready. But because of his wealth, he became sorrowful. Is there anything you can give for this assignment? Is there any level? Maybe when you are still coming up as a student, you were firebrand, and now you've been placed in a high level. You have big businesses. You are in a big office, and then it becomes difficult for you. The man was sorrowful because he was asked to go and give something. Let nothing be a hindrance. And just as we pray, there are things expected of us. We saw the two sons of uh, the, the Peter and his brother. They were fishermen. If you start reading from verse uh, 18, the Bible says they were actually casting their net. They were in the process of doing that. And the master said, come follow me. The business was booming. They didn't say, let me go and dry the fish I caught today. Let me go and deposit the money I made in the bank. They promptly obeyed and followed without questions. And that is the kind of prompt obedience God expects from us today. St. Paul deliberately counted all things but loss. Were those things gained for yes? Were they making, maybe he has even prayed to gain those positions. But then, because of the excellency of the knowledge of God, because there's an assignment that demands urgency, he said, I can't allow these things to hold me back. He said, I counted them but lost. Tongue, like physics, nothing of no worth, because I need to do this assignment. God's expectation on us is that today, if you look at our introduction, he said that it should be a daily life. It's not something we prepare. Yes, the chapel has a program every second Sunday. But it should not be a second Sunday affair. As I wake up every day to go to work, it should be a daily life. And that is God's desire. Let nothing be a hindrance. This is just the first part of the Bible study. By Wednesday, God will help us to see how we need to obey. And I don't think you need to miss this Bible study. Bow down your head as you pray. Can you make some commitment to God this afternoon? What is that hindrance? Possibly a hindrance. What has kept you back all this way? Maybe we've not touched that. But God is nudging your heart. He's pointing out some important areas. And he's saying, let go of this and go. Drop this and go and make disciples. Or maybe you're even here, you've not even given your life to Christ. And God is saying, you can't just be here every day, sitting down, listening to messages, and you are yet to make a decision of surrendering your life to God. There's an urgency, there's a night coming. And when night comes, you won't have opportunity of repenting. You have the opportunity of preaching this message again. Can you pray? Surrender your life unto God. You can pray in your heart and say, Father, come into my life. I've heard this message over and over again. It kept coming. I kept postponing it. But today, I can't go further. I surrender my life today unto you. 
And I've been making these promises. I remember when we started this year, we wrote some things down how we are going to be winning souls. And you are no longer keeping to that. Can you say, Father, have mercy on me. As I rise up from this Bible study, from this service today, I'm going to make disciples of all nations. Father, we surrender our lives unto you. Help us. Those vain things that charm us. Those things that tie us down. Those attractions that tend to focus our attention away from you. Lord, we lay them down before you. Are there challenges? Lord, are there storms of life that are making them difficult for us to follow? This morning, Father, we deliberately, Lord, just like St. Paul did, lay them down at your feet. And we are deciding as we are going out from here, Lord, that we are going to make disciples, starting from our families, starting from our homes, to our offices, to our businesses, oh God. We will not disappoint you in our own time. Is there anyone here that is still at the valley of indecision? Lord, such a one will not have any rest until he has, or she has finally made a decision to follow you. Blessed be your holy name, Lord. In Jesus' name we've prayed.